Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science Podcast. This is the latest in our weekly update series, and I'm joined by co-host Tony D'Ofrio and our producers Diego Rodriguez and Wilson Gabarino, and we're going to take a quick trip around crime prevention and uh, the the news is beyond busy uh, locally and and uh, at the state level, but even at the national level, we see probably pretty unprecedented coverage of retail crime and for a, for a pretty sustained time period. And it, you know, it feels like for now, for several months, if not a year or more, uh, you know, organized retail crime uh, and all its different uh, aspects continue to receive huge coverage in the in the media. And uh, we are. Uh, I wouldn't say besieged, but we're certainly constantly being uh, reached out to by uh, media sources at all the different strata. And uh, we try and cooperate and provide objective information where we can. Uh, there are probably some that we we probably don't take on. Um, feels like an ambush, if you will. And we always want to be cautious about uh, everybody in life's got an agenda. We certainly know that media people do as well, uh, being humans. So, uh, but we're very careful that what we uh, contribute, if you will, on the record uh, or off the record, I guess, is uh, based on some sort of uh, logic and certainly research. So uh, that's where we'll keep everybody posted on that. I know that some of you saw uh, CBS News Sunday morning uh, ran that uh, episode where their team was in our labs. Uh, we've got another couple national media sources coming our way to spend some quality time in the labs. In that case, um, we're still very careful and cautious to do things as well as we can, uh, but it also it can allow a deeper dive and a deeper and broader understanding of very complex and dangerous issues that rather than just topical treatments uh, in an attempt to get ratings or clicks or sell advertising or whatever that happens sometimes um, just helps people better understand and explain. Uh, always with an eye toward increasing uh, commercial and public safety. So uh, that's where we that's where we are. I, I think one thing we would uh, put out there is we're we're always excited to work on research of different types. I've mentioned before there is a real strategy here, believe it or not. And uh, what we like to do is get a, an overall snapshot of what the retailers believe they're up against, what their losses are as they describe that, uh, and what they're doing to address those law losses briefly anyway in their description through the National Retail Security Survey. Um, again, since 1990-91 time period, um, we've had some level of involvement. And for the last two years, our team, led by Dr. Corey Lowe, um, who does 99% of the work on it, uh, is working on that with the National Retail Federation um, and trying to get the best look overall about what retailers are dealing with from a theft, fraud, and violence situation. Uh, his own ARC study is also underway. Uh, we've now got double-digit retailers who have contributed significant data around their incidents down to the store level so that we can put together and have already started doing that. James Martin uh, leveraging that information, putting it into um, an ARC GIS mapping uh, component so that everybody can drill in and out and understand what's going on at that level. And that adds so much depth and richness to the critically needed information from the NRSS. Um, and then the ORC across the state survey, that's also underway. We're getting 
multiple insights from those that are out there in the field uh, or directing those in the field around organized events. Those serial offenders that are out there individually or in groups attacking and affecting uh, stores primarily through theft, but a lot of fraud and in some cases aggression extending into real violence. Um, so I think with these types of industry studies, uh, the, we get a better and better picture of what's happening, but we know uh, with ARCs, we can get down into the weeds and start to take some of the action in, uh, that's needed based on the information and based on the visuals that you're able to put together and understand. Um, and then we know uh, that what we're getting ready to do with the uh, Safer Places Lab uh, in Port St. Lucie, the East Side Initiative, West Side, and then coming up Atlanta and so forth, uh, that's going to help us put things into real action where we're doing a lot of trial and error testing with groups of retailers. Again, they're co-located either by on street front, not in a center, but they're co-located. Again, they're co-located in open centers, uh, whether strip or lifestyle, and then of course in the enclosed centers or malls. So um, the Port St. Lucie initiative kicks off this week. We've got three Walmarts. We've got Port St. Lucie Police Department, fully on board, as well as uh, being, uh, we are now going to be able to activate this with LBT, Live View Technologies, donating for the test period, uh, three brand new, tricked out, if you will, uh, mobile uh, protective units, these uh, platforms with multiple sensors that we've customized, and with the markings looking like a Port St. Lucie police vehicle. Um, we've also spent quality time uh, identifying where we'd initially like to place them to maximize visibility under the see, get, fear model that to um, affect the green shopper or employees behavior so they feel and are safer um, in order to affect the decisions made by the red actor that's there to victimize those people in place uh, that, that we want them to first notice these so we're placing them so you can see them from the uh, roadway out front so that you can see them from both and there are only two entry exit points into one of the three stores that we're treating. The other two will serve as control locations um, so that they're maximally seen or likely to be seen by anybody on foot, bike, or in a vehicle approaching from either entrance. And then, of course, uh, affecting the behavior in the parking area, that zone four, as we call it. Is, uh, so you can see as, they, as people approach or uh, in the, uh, observing or looking for in a predatory way, or they just are opportunistically taking advantage of something. We want to affect those choices if possible uh, as they move from zone five beyond the parking lot into four, as they're moving into four and into a particular area in that parking area. So this store happens to have a uh, liquor store that's somewhat separate. It has, of course, a, a grocery area, a food area. It's got a general merchandise. Uh, and it's got a garden area. So we're, we're looking at the behavior there and trying to affect <clears throat> the green and red and again, be able to study and understand uh, how to better treat uh, dose in this case to affect decisions by the green and red actors, reduce crime, in other words, attempts that are taking place there. And so with the data on what all has happened there and the other two store locations uh, for the last uh, year and a half and that from as well as from that perspective, calls for service and arrests made by Port St. Lucie Police Department, or, it's, or if it happens to be the St. Lucie Sheriff's Office, um, getting that idea. And then after we treat 
the one location with three platforms, now do we see a change in behavior of all types, including arrest and calls for service, of course, um, including reported incidents by the retailer. That's objective one. See if there's a measurable change in behavior um, to the good. Uh, again, Corey and James Martin, one of our research scientists as well, uh, studied uh, under the program the Axis Tax Force that was put together by LVT with multiple retailers in uh, Paducah, Kentucky and Opelika, Alabama. Um, we were looking at reported crime, calls for service and arrests made uh, in a, a variety of areas across those two uh, communities. Uh, and then those areas were treated, if you will, by LVT platforms, um, those mobile protective units, and were able to measure what happened there. Um, and so afterwards, we're no control sites in this case, but it was sort of a quasi experimental design that can have you know, strong enough design to make some inferences. And we did see the uh, expected change in behavior. Uh, and some of the data were collected by online sightings. It was a unique research method that Corey and James implemented here on top of measuring reported crime by the retailers and by the law enforcement agencies, getting an idea of what the citizenry thought and were saying uh, and getting their feedback on the look, the location, uh, the, even the objective of having those platforms. So you'll see that going on in Port St. Lucie, where it's even more controlled before and after compared to a little more of an experimental design with a slightly, you could make slightly, excuse me, make slightly stronger inferences from any behavioral changes we might see. Um, in the East Side Initiative now, we've got eight retailers on board, as I mentioned, and the Gainesville Police Department. Um, and you can see a pattern here where we're trying to leverage law enforcement and individual but grouped together or collab, excuse me, co-located retailers to get a better picture strategically what's going on to understand the crime patterns and then implement treatments, work on dosing options and try and see to, can we get make strong inferences about better and better ways to do things. But also in this case, we go beyond, hey, did this treatment, this intervention create the expected change. Uh, and then also, by the way, for how long was that sustained? Just like two pain relievers uh, only have a certain duration of action uh, after that onset of action and a peak effects, how long is it going to last? So we want to find those types of things out. We also want to know what does the retailer know that law enforcement doesn't know and vice versa, and where do they overlap? How do we improve the picture for both to make better decisions? You'll see that also not only in Port St. Lucie, but happening in the East Side Initiative here um, to create clearer uh, decision-making pictures uh, strategically to understand crime dynamics as well as measure the effects uh, the results of what happens when we do certain things. And then finally, we also have, in this case, the objective about better sharing um, as well as part of that. And that's going the sharing is not just sharing information about crime and events and concerns uh, overall, but also in the heat of the moment. But also, how do we share cost? Uh, we're going to place some treatments in a parking lot that's shared by two different retailers, uh, two different brands and see ways that they can share cost and benefits of that. How do we better place cameras that provide not just better protection, for example, or other devices for that retailer's site, but also they could maybe do things to augment so that they can help their neighbor and vice versa. The neighbor can do things differently to help them collectively. So that collective efficacy is what we're shooting for. It's not just a residential criminology concept, but a commercial one. So. 
a lot going on here. That's giving you some idea, hopefully, about what's happening, uh, a culmination of 23 years of the LPRC and uh, a whole lot of criminological research over the years by our team and others across the globe uh, to, to make these the rubber meet the road. We'll get into more and more detail as we move along. I wanted to mention, obviously, the fact that Impact 2023 version coming up that first week in October, go to lpresearch.org. Uh, to register. There's nothing like it. We're, this isn't just talk. This goes talk to tactical. Um, you're going to be uh, in the in the field, in the labs, in the classroom, or in the big groups, in the hallways, um, on beautiful campus, working through issues and trying to better understand uh, ways through research that we've found already and that we want to plan for the next round of research as well to affect decisions, reduce problems, create safer and more profitable places. So look for that. Uh, coming up as well. A lot going on around the labs. We've had recently major retail corporations coming in to spend a day whiteboarding with us. More to come. Uh, we've got at least four that I know of coming in. Um, we are constantly having our solution partners in. We're excited about that. Also, uh, some of the research is going on today, yesterday, and tomorrow. We've got uh, PhD students uh, working on different smart device and robotics options um, in our labs from the University of Florida uh, College of Engineering's uh, Industrial Systems Engineering uh, class with Dr. Hu and his team. Uh, so a lot, a lot happening, and uh, I'll keep everybody posted. We're also going to take a look in the future at store closures and some of the research the team's doing there. So with no further ado, let me turn this over to Tony D'Onofrio. Tony, take it away. Thank you very much, and uh, Reed, really great updates. Uh, great to see here about all the great things that, that are going on, and I have signed up for Impact. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be spectacular this year with everything that's going on. So first off, and building on that, I want to congratulate this podcast team on being named a top 100 podcast by Tinkers 360 for the first half of 2023. So thank you, Reed. Thank you, Tom. And thank you, producers, Diego and Wilson. It's been an amazing run. We're already at over 155 episodes. And I can see now that the work is being recognized. Uh, and I, I see it every week when I post uh, these podcasts on LinkedIn. We get thousands of uh, impressions. So it's good to see. Nice job, everyone. Let's keep on rolling. And I'm actually having a really good week. Uh, I was just named by the Retail Technology Innovation Hub as a top 100 retail technology influencer for 2023. So it's been an amazing, uh, actually, few days. So, But let me switch topics to some news and retail news. And I'm going to go to CNBC, which said that USA retail sales rose 1% in June, slightly better than the 0.9 estimate. The numbers are not adjusted for inflation, which rose 1.3% on a monthly basis, indicating that retail sales Overall, then were slightly negative. Gasoline stations, online uh, sales, uh, and bars and restaurants were some of the biggest contributors. When you strip it down, though, if you look at some uh, analysis done by the IHL group that they posted on Twitter, the weakest sectors in June to date, so in the first six months, are convenience stores, which had negative sales of 12%, over 12%, department stores negative sales just over 1%, and especially hard goods, which were negative at 0.6. But that's before inflation. When you factor inflation, convenience really had a bad six months. They were down 28%. The 
department stores especially hard goods are down nearly 5%. With inflation factored in, the, the sectors that are doing well, they're actually for the first six months in the green, and these are the hot sectors, are drugstores, which are up nearly 4%, restaurants are over up over 4%, and online is up uh, nearly 4%, that's after factoring inflation. If you wrap it all up and you look at the total for the first six months, uh, factoring inflation, we're down 3%. So we have some work to do, just over 3%. We have some work to do in the second half. Switching topics, because I track this a lot, uh, let me summarize some research from uh, Brand Finance that was actually reported in Visual uh, Capitalist on who are the top 100 most valuable uh, global brands. Uh, Brand Finance examines about 5,000 companies across 38 companies, 38 countries, uh, and broadly speaking, a brand's value represents the allocation of a company's earnings that are linked to the brand. So number one this year uh, is Amazon. Amazon ranks number one globally. They have a brand value of nearly $300 billion, and they are a market leader, of course, in online sales, but they also have a very profitable AWS web services business. Apple came in second at uh, $298 billion, but it's actually, uh, uh, it actually fell in value from the previous year because of supply chain disruption, labor market constraints, and slower forecasted revenue. Other big tech made up the part of the top five in, in the top. So Google was number three, Microsoft was number four, and Samsung was number six. And in fact, big tech was the number one sector with the highest brand value overall in the, in the companies around the world at value at um, $891 billion. And that includes, of course, companies like Apple, Microsoft, Samsung. Interesting, retail is number two. So retail has brands that are valued, uh, come out uh, number two in all that at $690 billion. Media is number three. And then finally, the top five fastest riding brands in 2023 were BYD, Phillips, Maersk, LinkedIn, and Christian Duarte. Uh, switching topics again, uh, interesting what's happening to the world economies, and I always like to track this and see how we're doing. So in 2022, and this is according to Visual Capitalist, in 2022, the number one economy in the world is still the USA, followed by China at number two, and Japan is number three. By 2050, it'll switch. China will be number one, US will be number two, and number three will be India, so uh, Japan drops even further. And even in more interesting, by 2075, the number one economy in the world will still be China. India moves to number two, and U.S. moves to number three. The data was published again in Visual Capitalist, and it's from our report from Golden Sachs that looks at uh, global economic balance and power. And finally, I'm going to end on Twitter. Uh, remember last week, I talked about threads. And Threads became the fastest growing online services, reaching 1 million users in just one hour and 100 million in just five days. And remember, I mentioned earlier that chat GDP reached 1 million users in five days and 100 million in two months. Uh, Threads, remember, also is a competitor to Twitter, uh, and it was, again, the fastest online services to reach both the 1 million 
and the 100 million mark. But unfortunately, it didn't hold up. 15 days after its launch, Threads has now dropped by 75%, according to LifeMain, in terms of engagement. One of the main reasons, of course, is that for Threads, uh, is that really they're not sure exactly what they want to do with it yet. And they are targeting different audiences. Uh, over the years, Twitter has become known as the place for news and politics, where personalities, journalists, celebrities, athletes all discuss it. Um, and Instagram and, and Meta and other Meta platforms have been shying away from politics and to focus more on images and videos. And really, that's not the market that Twitter is after. So we will have to see what Elon Musk does now that he's just rebranded it all. It's no longer Twitter. It's now just X. And X stands for everything. So two weeks ago, I did a survey on LinkedIn just to, for fun. And I asked, who's going to win the real-time uh, information uh, feed wars that is going on? 76% of the people that voted in my audience said it was going to be Twitter. 24% said it was going to be threat. So 15 days into it, looks like the audience was right. Uh, Twitter is back in terms of being the real-time information feed uh, machine. So that's the news this week. And with that, let me turn it over to Reed. Thanks so much, Tony, for all those great insights. And uh, we want to appreciate you all out there for tuning in. Please uh, check out some of our other past crime science podcasts. You hear this all the time. Please rate us and review us. Uh, you know, it's a, as you heard Tony say, it's twice now an award-winning podcast, and we're excited about that. And um, one of the more frequently listened to, particularly in this space. Um, but I think all of us learn more and more by listening to podcasts and we're trying to continually curate a better experience. And so we've said this before, we've got one recorded uh, with a special guest. We've got more that we're gonna be lighting up um, to make it, to mix it up, to get you more information from more different types of sources and people with different perspectives, backgrounds and expertise. So, uh, and again, uh, stay tuned. Uh, we wanna encourage you, if, you're, if you or your organization is looking to visit the LPRC labs at the UF Innovate Hub, on the UF campus, we'd like to invite you to reach out to us at lpresearch.org, uh, try operations at lpresearch.org. Uh, if you're interested or you want to attend uh, LPRC's 2023 uh, Impact Conference, again, the same way. So everybody stay in touch and stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council. 